I think I would just say try it. Um, more than anything, it, it sounds much more intimidating from an instructor's perspective than it really is. Just jump in with both feet, give it a crack. Um, what's the worst that can happen? It's no worse than giving that one paper exam that, whoops, turns out that was way too hard, and then we just devastated the class GPA in the process. It can't be any worse than that, right? Plus listeners, this is Ellen Watson, an educational developer at the Center for Teaching and Learning. And I'm joined here today by Dr. Brian Rempel. Hi there, Brian Rempel. I'm an associate professor teaching chemistry at the Augustana campus. Uh, we're also joined by Dr. Shauna Wilton. Hi, I'm Shauna. I'm a, an associate professor of political studies at Augustana. And Dr. Ingrid Erberg. Hi, I'm Ingrid and I teach Scandinavian studies on the Augustana campus. And the three of you are joining me today. We're going to talk about oral exams in your classes. I know with the pandemic and everyone moving to online teaching that this is going to be more and more of a viable option for instructors, or at least that's my hope. So what brought you to wanting to use oral exams in your classes? I was teaching a gender and politics course. It's a third year seminar. And the first time I did it, I was actually having some vision issues. And so reading written exams and essays was really difficult. And I decided to try this out as an alternative to make my marking a bit easier for me. And then I liked it, the students overall liked it, so then I continued to do it other times. I've actually used oral exams throughout my teaching career. And I've been teaching Norwegian language and Scandinavian literature and culture for over 30 years, but it's very standard in the cultural context I'm acquainted with. So uh, for me, it was a very natural fit. So I have used them throughout my teaching career in language classes, but I'm starting to use them in the literature and culture classes as well. I got started using oral exams actually after meeting with an educational developer at CTL, who's no longer there anymore. But um, this person had suggested to me that this was something they had used in a philosophy class, which I never would have assumed you could do this in philosophy. And it really made me start to think, maybe I can do this in chemistry. So I decided to give it a try and liked it and kept doing it. So I'm wondering a bit about student reception of oral exams. Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. I think that student reception is somewhat mixed. They like the idea of not writing an exam or a final paper. So they like that they don't have to do that. But I've also found, and I think uh, Brian has shared this experience, that students are very, very anxious about doing an oral exam the first time. They really don't know what to expect. They're worried about how to prepare for it. And so I think there's different strategies you can use to, uh, to deal with that anxiety. One thing I did was I gave them the questions in advance so they could prepare for them. Student, student anxiety is usually super high before when it's all an unknown and it's brand new because most undergraduates have never done an oral exam of any sort. Student response when they've completed it, in my experience, is reasonably positive. Um, I, I've had direct comments from students saying things like, I quote, that was nowhere near as bad as I thought it would be, end quote. In terms of language classes, they're used to speaking a lot, so I think that is helpful to them. So they're, it, it's a comfortable, familiar situation. Uh, it's also a wonderful opportunity. I, I schedule appointments with extra time so that we can debrief afterwards and they get immediate feedback and 
they have the opportunity to ask me questions about the exam or just class in general. So I actually find it a community builder and I do oral midterms in mine as well as the oral final. I also have an oral midterm and a final in one of my classes. I don't have data to support it, but I think anecdotally, I would say, I believe that helps for sure. And, and just in terms of strategies to, to make them feel more comfortable, as I said, I sort of bookend the conversation with sections that aren't evaluated. We'll just talk first and then we'll move into the evaluation and then bookend it with, with more informal conversation. But I also make sure I have enough time between appointments because I think it's really counterproductive when I am rushed or when I appear to be rushed and concerned about the time. Um, and I also try to give them as much choice as possible. So I have different categories and different types of activities, but I try to give them some type of a choice so they feel more in control of the situation. Um, giving students kind of clear expectations as to this is how this uh, whole process is going to unravel helps them a great deal in my experience. I think I've also had success with giving them a sense on why we're doing an oral exam as opposed to doing a written exam. Part of my, my sales pitch, if you will, I will tell students that an oral exam is really just practice for a job interview. Because what is a job interview? You're going to walk in, you're going to have to discuss content or technical things, and you're going to have to be able to think on your feet because you know in general the topics you'll be asked about, but you don't know the exact specific questions or where the conversation is going to move to. So especially when you have a student who's approaching the last year of their degree, telling them you're giving them an opportunity to practice this without, hey, you might miss the job if you do this badly, they tend to really like that. How big of a class do you recommend this approach for, and how much time do you give for each student? If you're teaching a very large, you know, more than 100 student class, I don't see how this would be something that you could efficiently make work in your class. That's my own opinion. I would say I have used this with classes of somewhere around 20. And in my own experience, my gut tells me that it's more efficient, even at that level, which sounds counter counterintuitive. But if you think about the amount of time you have to spend preparing an exam, and then sitting in the gym for three hours, watching everyone write, and then you have to take all that time afterwards to grade them. As, as was alluded to earlier, during the oral exam, you give them that feedback right away. And before they leave, they have their grade. And other than typing a number into my spreadsheet, that's it. That's it for my evaluation. My classes were small. They were more a senior seminar. And I scheduled them every half hour. It didn't take half hour, but it gave me some time between them to take a break if I needed to, because it does get pretty intense. And, and again, like Ingrid said, I didn't want to be rushed. I didn't want to be running late and further stressing the students out or anything like that. I was thinking, though, about how you could do it with larger classes. And I think that if you have clear questions that have clear answers and a clear rubric and you have teaching assistants, for example, I think teaching assistants could administer this too in a much larger class. And if you're doing it so that it's, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for each student, that's probably not longer than you would take to mark a written exam, unless of course it was just a scantron or something like that. So the time commitment's different, but it's not necessarily that much more. I guess one other thing that I did was, uh, so this was a course where we had a lot of different readings that we did every week and it was very discussion based. So before we went into the final oral exam, I got the class to identify what they thought were key themes, key questions, key concepts. 
And then I used what they had come up with to develop. There were six questions on the exam. They had those in advance and then they had to choose five to answer when they came in to meet me. So they could choose whichever one they just didn't feel comfortable with. They could drop that one. And that seemed to help them as well. I feel like they had more control over the process and also to be prepared and reduce anxiety. Something that I would be curious about, and I know I've had issues with this when I've run any type of oral exam or oral project, is how do you maintain consistency across your students and across your sections? So, you know, how do you make the claim that the, that an A in an oral exam is worth the same as an A in a paper exam? I had the rubric, and so I was looking for certain evidence of certain key skills that they were demonstrating, and I also had written down points like they should really mention this particular author when they're talking about this. And then I also wrote down, I sort of had a check marks for every time that they were prompted and that would sort of lower their mark in that sense if they did appeal it that could be challenging as well especially if you're not recording it or something like that in the literature they talk about the idea that you should record these things one thing i will say in the pandemic era is that recording these when you're doing these over video chat is easier than it is doing it in a face-to-face format The literature says that this is something that's actually very much appreciated by students, that ability to have grounds for an appeal. I guess I would add, too, that when we're talking about something like an essay-based final exam question, I think that the same concerns about fairness and equity and how we grade them could be raised for the written format or for the oral format. With the experience we have, we read an essay and we sort of know that this is a B or this is an A, and then we have a rubric or something that has helped us to define that for the student, how they got there. And so I don't think that that differs that much between the oral and written formats. And that leads to one of my other questions is, how did you have to rethink assessment in general when you went to the oral exam, or did you? I think for me, as I, as I mentioned, the, especially the first time I was doing this, one of the main concerns was, how am I gonna grade this? How am I gonna remember what they did and be fair about this? And so I did give a lot of thought to sort of what do I expect from each answer? and how would I develop the rubric and so on. Another benefit of this is that we are assessing different strengths in students. So some students may be a wonderful writer, uh, but are less strong at speaking or communicating orally. And for others, it may be the opposite. So within the course, they have the chance to demonstrate their writing. This gives them a chance to demonstrate a different skill set. I thought it was really interesting when we went suddenly, uh, you know, the Corona curtain came crashing down and all of a sudden we all had to change things instantly. I was having a dialogue with my class about what parts of our class do we need to just modify, keep, or even delete. And interestingly, the oral exam was something identified. Students said, this is the most unique thing that I've taken. Don't make sure you don't lose that. This is, I was really kind of looking forward to getting, uh, getting the chance to show what I can do and what I've learned using this format. I was really blown away by that, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was a really cool moment. I was just going to say, as we're moving online for at least the fall term, this is one way to develop that relationship with your students as well, which is something that a lot of us are concerned about. How do we do that online? And also one way to ensure integrity of the exams and to be able to really assess a deeper level of thinking that you might not be able to witness in class in the same way anymore. Um, Now, unlike Brian and probably Shauna, I give oral exams and I give oral exams and a written exam. 
for the final. For the oral midterm, it's just the oral. For the final, I uh, give different percentages to the oral and the written. But this year with going online, the oral was worth much more and it worked just fine. It took longer, but I was quite satisfied with student response. And of course we did it online, but they were used to talking to me. And I think next year, as we continue to be online, I am going to do orals in my other courses as well. Because I think when there are concerns also for online written work and, and monitoring things, if it's not open book, I think the oral really allows you to see where they're at. And I think there are some challenges with evaluating and sometimes with um, monitoring what people are doing when they're writing. But with the oral, it's right there. So I think it actually alleviate some concerns that people are encountering with exams online. Yeah, I, I could not agree more there. As somebody who fields a lot of questions about maintaining academic integrity with exams, you know, people are concerned about their questions getting out. People are concerned about students accessing other materials or other students and what are ways that they can prevent these things from happening. An oral exam is a perfect way to pre prevent that. One thing I've always found a phrase that I find helpful to use with students is I tell them no matter what, it feels hard. You should expect it'll feel hard because if they don't know very much, then the simple questions feel very hard to them. And if a student is just knocking it out of the park and they know everything, I tend to ask them harder and harder questions to see what's the limit of their knowledge. And so I had one year where a student said, wow, that felt incredibly hard. I was like, yeah, that's what I would ask a PhD student. And so, you know, my fourth year BSc student kind of felt a little bit better about herself as a result of that. So when you can kind of communicate with students, like no matter what, it feels hard, because if you know it all, I'm going to ask you something different. Uh, it can it can help reassure them. So I tell them in the middle of the exam, not how are they doing, but instead just it's going to always feel hard. Remember, and you can kind of call back to something you've hopefully used in the past before. And, and it really is much more individual because you're talking about responding to the students um, and, and both it can be their um, their style, but but also their level of knowledge. And so, you know, our job also is not to intimidate or to make people feel badly, uh, but, you know, assess them and, and figure out where they're at. But but I, I, I think that's a good point, Brian, because we're responding to each individual. So it's a lot more interesting in a way for us to give an exam when we're doing this than, than the mass uh, writing of an exam. I think too that uh, I know at the end of term, I get really tired of reading things and grading them. And so this, it is, does take a significant amount of time, but it's at least change. It's something different for us as well. Good point. Yeah, I think that not only do you get to know your students a little bit, maintain some of that integrity in the exam, but you're right, it also pulls you away from the reading on the screen. And, you know, I'm sure we're doing enough of that for the other parts of our job, let alone having to do that for grading as well. Um, so some of the things that I've heard throughout the conversation is that it's, I mean, this is a good way to maintain academic integrity. It gives students a real world experience when they're going out to actually do, you know, in the workforce or interviews. But it is important for instructors to be clear about the process of the exam, your expectations for the exam, and be prepared to do some mitigating of anxiety and worries both before and during the exam. But I think that the idea of building community and relationships is a really important one, and one that's even more important, as Brian put it, with the COVID curtain 
coming coming down on us. So um, I want to thank Dr. Brian Rempel, Dr. Shauna Wilton, and Dr. Ingrid Erberg for their time. I appreciate you coming to talk to us on Teaching Plus. Thank you for listening to Teaching Plus. This Teaching Plus podcast is created by the University of Alberta Center for Teaching and Learning team. For more information on any of our services, please find us online at ctl.ualberta.ca. Until next time, keep tweaking your teaching.